The scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Before hearing the word, however, let us pray. Open our hearts, O God, and startle us with your gospel truth. Allow us to set aside any distraction, any worry, any sense of inadequacy, that we may hear you speak to us through this reading this day. We are your children, and we long to hear your voice. Amen. That day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he climbed into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd was standing on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path, and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it scorched the plants and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and bore fruit. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. In another case, a yield of 30 to 1. Everyone who has ears should pay attention. Jesus' disciples came and said to him, Why do you use parables when you speak to the crowds? Jesus replied, Because they haven't received the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but you have. For those who have will receive more, and they will have more than enough. But as for those who don't have, even the little that they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to the crowds in parables. Although they see, they don't really see. And although they hear, they don't hear or understand. What Isaiah prophesied has become completely true for them. You will hear to be sure, but never understand. And you will certainly see, but never recognize what you are seeing. For this people's senses have become calloused, and they've become hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes so that they won't see with their eyes or hear with their ears, or understand with their minds, and change their hearts and lives that I may heal them. Happy are your eyes because they see. Happy are your ears because they hear. I assure you that many prophets and righteous people wanted to see what you see and hear what you hear, but they didn't. Consider then the parable of the farmer. Whenever people hear the word about the kingdom and don't understand it, the evil one comes and carries off what was planted in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown on the path. As for the seed that was spread on rocky ground, this refers to people who hear the word and immediately receive it, receive it joyfully. Because they have no roots, they last for a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. As for the seed that was spread among the thorny plants, this refers to those who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the false appeal of wealth choke the word, and it bears no fruit. As for what was planted on good soil, this refers to those who hear and understand and bear fruit and produce. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. 
and in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder if you remember the first Bible story you ever learned. To the best of my own memory, the first Bible story I ever learned was the creation story. When I was a child, I loved to read. I still do, but when I was a child, I loved to read more than just about anything else. And an almost nightly battle between my parents and I centered around what time I would go to bed and how long I would read before I had to turn off the light. One night, I had managed to negotiate based upon the number of pages rather than the number of minutes. And so when I stood before our bookshelf, I naturally pulled down the book with the biggest pages and the smallest print. Of course, this was a Bible. I remember hauling it to my room, congratulating myself for tricking my parents, who made absolutely no comment about my choice, but simply raised their eyebrows at one another. I remember reading through the early pages of Genesis, when the sun and the moon, the sea and the sky, the plants and the animals and the people were created. I remember reading about Adam and Eve and the garden and the snake. I remember reading the names Cain and Abel and Enoch and Lamech and, well, I don't remember remembering any names beyond that. I remember that when my mother came upstairs to turn off the lights, she was surprised to see I had already let the book slide from my hands onto the floor. Done so soon, she asked. And I remember with great clarity telling her, if a book is going to be that long, it really should be more interesting. I remember that at seven years old, I was a harsh literary critic. Creation was the first Bible story I remember learning on my own. But the parable of the sower is one of the first I remember learning in school. I remember our teacher reading the verses out loud about seeds falling on the path and on the rocky ground and among the thorns and finally into good soil. And I remember our class being instructed to act out what happened each time. I remember some of us bouncing off of desks and some of us flapping our arms like crazed birds. I, I remember all of us falling over in a collective faint, gasping dramatically as we withered in the sun. I remember a boy named Sean running around and pinching all of the girls' elbows, gleefully announcing, I'm a thorn, I'm a thorn. And I remember our triumphant victory poses, arms thrust high in the air as we cheered and hooted and hollered, as we finally embodied what it meant for good seed, for seeds to fall on good soil. I also remember when the lesson became art class as we were instructed to fold a piece of paper in half twice so that when we opened it back up it was a grid with four squares. I remember being instructed to draw the story. And I remember when the lesson became math class when we recorded that the soil in three of the four squares didn't bear fruit. I remember that introduction to fractions feeling slightly ominous. 
And in telling you all of this, I'm also remembering that it is entirely possible that not all of you had the um, creative religious instruction that peppered the school days of my youth. But I've told you all of this in a very particular way for a very particular reason, emphasizing what I remember. Because all these years later, what I remember first and foremost about the parable of the sower is the different kinds of soil. The parable seems incredibly clear. Of all the types of soil, the good soil is the goal. At the tender age of seven, I understood that, I wanted that, and I simultaneously worried that I was nowhere near good enough to achieve that. Because there are a lot of birds and a lot of rocks and a lot of thorns in the world. Three to one odds are not particularly reassuring. And despite my best efforts and my grandmother's completely unwavering opinion, I am very far from perfect. My soil always needs some work. And sometimes I know this is simply what it means to be human. But other times, doubts creep in and whisper to me with voices of inadequacy. Now know that I am admitting this to you because some of you have admitted to me that same sort of quiet anxiety about whether your faith is strong enough or your understanding is deep enough, whether your prayer life is persistent enough or your choices are selfless enough, whether you are good enough, really, truly good enough for God's love to include you. Or if what you really ought to do is just lay down and put your face in the dirt. You know, with, with all of this talk of soil and dirt, I can't help but be reminded of John Calvin, who wrote, The majesty of God is too high to be scaled up to by mortals who creep like worms of the earth. I don't agree with everything John Calvin said or wrote. And I don't enjoy being likened to a worm, but paradoxically, these words of his help me understand this parable in a new light. The majesty of God is too high, he says. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such goodness, such knowledge, it is too wonderful for me. It is so high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the furthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. John Calvin and the psalmist together 
help me make new sense of this parable. Because God's goodness is too high, and we cannot attain it. We cannot deserve it. We simply cannot be good enough for it. But here's the thing. God never has and never will ask or expect that of us. The parable of the sower. It's called the parable of the sower, and yet we spend so much of our time interpreting these words focused on the soil. Our eyes are perpetually cast down onto the ground, but it is not called the parable of the different kinds of dirt. It is the parable of the sower. The first words of the story say so. A sower went out to sow, and Jesus himself says so. Consider the parable of the sower. Friends, what if when it comes to this parable, we've been looking in the wrong direction the entire time? What if all of this is less about the soil the seeds land on and more about the one who sows the seeds in the first place? What if it's, bear with me, what if it's less about us and more about God? Because that's actually what parables are and what parables do. Parables awaken a new sort of insight in us, revealing more and more about God to us, telling us what God's kingdom looks like. Jesus never uses parables to teach us about ourselves. Jesus is completely direct when it comes to that. Jesus uses parables to help us see more clearly the kind of God that God is, and how God is ever and always at work in our lives and in the life of the world. If we lift our eyes up from the soil toward the sower, if we shift our attention away from ourselves and toward our maker, what we see is a sower who never once evaluates the condition of the field before flinging seeds as far as the wind will carry them. We see a sower who is just fine if seeds fall on a path into some rocks, among some thorns, to the birds, towards some sun, whatever. The sower simply throws seeds with reckless abandon tossing the seeds of life, the seeds of grace and generosity, the seeds of compassion and mercy and love and joy and peace and truth, the seeds of doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly. The sower tosses those seeds from one side of creation clear to the other with an almost embarrassing amount of extravagance, with no strategy whatsoever other than to cover as much ground as possible. I suppose this may sound irresponsible or even wasteful. 
left to our own devices, we likely would be inclined to keep our eyes back down in the dirt, tilling and fertilizing and cultivating, planning and scheduling, investing resources wisely, tracking and analyzing, considering yield and conserving what remains. But this is the parable of the sower. The one who insists upon lifting our eyes up from the ground and into his gaze. Where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me, he says, let go of your need to control, trust in God, trust also in me, for in my Father's house there are many rooms, more than enough for each and every one of you. Come to me, he says, for I am the Alpha and the Omega, everything you could ever ask for or imagine. Come to me, he says, come to me and consider the lilies who worry for nothing but delight in each day. Come to me, he says, come to me and scatter some seeds with all your might and just see what might happen next. What if that is how we live into the future together, Shandon? Throwing absolutely everything out there, scattering God's good life and God's great compassion and God's gospel truth into our own lives and into the lives of everyone we meet. We remember the stories of our faith the way we are taught them. Wouldn't it be something if we helped the world remember just how beautiful it is? And if we helped our neighbors remember just how loved they are? Along the way, I suspect we'd learn more about God than ever before. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.